0: Patrick pried off the plank across the front door of the schoolhouse with the ease of a gym bro. The bones of the old place groaned in protest. I was told the building was over a 150 years old, but as the new kid, I was often the gullible victim of disinformation from pranksters. There was no sign saying it was a heritage house, but its dilapidated state spoke to its age. In interest of your safety, dear reader, I'll be vague about its whereabouts but the building still stands and its curse is supposedly real all I'll say is that it's somewhere in the Canadian Maritimes I won't say which province it is all I say is that it was built in a meadow next to a small stream of fresh water John shoved me toward the doors with a snicker and a sneer (laughs) go on then I I I don't want to be first, I stammered. I remember that exchange of words clear as day, even though my memory of the conversation is stained with apprehension. I didn't want to go into that schoolhouse. There was no police tape or signs asking us to keep out, but all the same it felt wrong somehow. And at that point, I didn't even know about the curse. Never mind, Johnny, she's too chicken. I'll go, Patrick offered. His girlfriend Meg chuckled as she brushed past me and pushed the door open. It's hard to describe the smell that hit us then. It was an acrid odor of rot and mildew and a stuffy attic all rolled into one. It pushed into our little group as though the schoolhouse was an uncle with bad breath, exhaling right into your face. I pulled my shirt collar over my nose. The other three just made faces. I followed Patrick into the building, onto damp, wooden planks that sunk a little under my weight. I could tell they were rotten, but they were just solid enough not to crumble underfoot. I had a feeling, however, that if I tried to punch them, my fists would go right through. Inside the schoolhouse, it was like being transported through time. The large room was left abandoned, as though the students and teacher had fled in a hurry and never come back. The desks were still there, wider than what I was used to seeing, but also slightly lower to the ground. They looked uncomfortable, more like church pews than chairs, and since the desk part of each was attached to the back of the bench, servicing the students behind the one-seated, it meant each student had to rely on the person in front of them not to move, just to have a stable workspace. It was a terrible design. There were small chalkboards on almost every desk, slightly larger than a piece of paper, Some were shattered like mirrors, and a few rare ones were intact, if with moldy frames. Their chalks had long since dissolved, leaving not even a trace behind. As I walked up the aisle, I saw a stack of books bound together with a leather belt. The books looked bloated, and much like everything else there, it was covered in spots of mold. Ahead of me was the professor's desk. The bottom drawer was pulled open, and inside was an old bird's nest, with its inhabitants long gone. Hey, check this out, John said. I glanced up and saw him holding one of the chalkboards in his hands. The wooden frame crumbled slightly in his grip. He'd spray-painted a pillar and stones on it, if you catch my drift. No surprise there. I'd seen him etch and doodle them everywhere in class when our teacher wasn't looking. It's just the kind of guy John was. Patrick was more the type to do that fancy S. You know the one. While the others joked and chatted, I circled around the teacher's desk and found the remains of a globe. There were a few spots on the map still clinging to the sphere, but for the most part it looked like an alien landscape. There were continents of mildew forming a strange new world. It was almost beautiful if it wasn't so gross. My attention was then drawn to an old iron stove right in the center aisle, likely used to warn the schoolhouse in the time before electricity. I knelt down in front of it, examining the grated door and what must have been another nest inside, when suddenly the whole thing started to shake and I nearly jumped out of my skin. Was the schoolhouse about to collapse? I, I thought we were going to die. Meg exploded into howling laughter. She let go of the stove and slapped me on the back. Got you! Oh my god, your face! I wasn't amused, but I tried to hide it behind a forced smile and an insincere laugh. The trio might have been colossal jerks, but all the same, I was new and I needed friends. I lifted my hands defensively and replied, You got me good. Internally, I wish I had the balls to leave, and considering what happened later, I really wish I had. John took a not super structurally sound seat at one of the desks and folded one leg over the other, tossing his jacket onto the table in front of him. John said, Hey, new girl. He knew my name. He just wanted to be a jerk. I replied, What? I caught a conspiratorial look between him and Patrick. Great. I knew I was in for some more hazing. We ever tell you about the curse? We must have, right? Patrick nodded. I'm sure we did. Meg clapped her hands with excitement. I searched my memories, but came up empty. I replied with an uncertain shrug. John's smile grew wider. It spread into a smirk. He got up from the bench and took me by the shoulders, gently but forcibly leading me into the front of the class. I didn't notice at the time, but Meg and Patrick inched their way towards the exit, not out the door, though. Not yet. Like they wanted to hear what John had to say. It's funny business, John said, shaking his head in feigned disapproval. Real funny business. You want to hear? I was already painfully aware that I didn't have a choice, but all the same, I nodded. He let go of me and dodged a massive cobweb overhead as he backed away from the desk. I didn't think much of it at the time, of the distance he was creating between us. I thought he needed room to gesticulate or something. It was so naive. It hurts. Come on, Johnny, tell her, Patrick prompted in the whiniest of voices. John nodded to him and gestured to wait. To be patient. You might want to sit down for this new girl. I glanced at the teacher's chair. It was mushy. There was no way I was sitting on it, or even leaning against it in the room. The only things not speckled in mold was the iron oven and the blackboard behind me. And even those were dirty in their own ways. Dust and bird dropping and... No, just... No. I'm fine. Just tell me, I said. John inhaled sharply and began. Now, word for word, I couldn't tell you exactly what John told me that night. He had a theatrical and long-winded way of spinning yarns. Tangents for the sake of tangents, unnecessary detail, inappropriate sexual innuendos, that kind of thing. Sometimes I'd zone out and didn't bother asking him to repeat himself. So what I'm relaying to you is a Frankenstein version of what he said, based on fragments of memories from that night, as well as the same story stitched together from other sources. But you'll get the gist of it. John started. This schoolhouse used to be the only one for five townships. Kids would walk for hours every morning and evening to come here and learn. Because of this, it wasn't uncommon for students to stop attending suddenly. Either they were needed at the farm or had to take care of their siblings or their parents didn't like how far they had to walk to come here. School wasn't seen as a high priority back then. You would have fit in great, Johnny. Patrick teased from the front of the schoolhouse. This was when I finally noticed how far back they were. John continued. Shut up, Pat. Anyways, my point is, no one batted an eye as the classes became thinner and thinner until it was just the teacher and a few students. It's not like nowadays, where everyone's connected all the time. You might have known your neighbors a lot better back then, but news traveled slow, and no one realized the missing students weren't back home working. They were dead. At least a dozen students. Dead. In the span of a few months, he scratched his chin pensively, taking a few steps back. I could feel a knot in my throat. Even though I told myself this was just a silly countryside legend, it was getting to me. My hairs were standing on end. The creaky schoolhouse looked all the more sinister for it. So here's the thing, John said as he gesticulated for the teacher's blackboard. Back then, it was the students that cleaned up after class. They didn't have custodians or janitors or whatever. They'd clean the board and wash the windows and clear out the stove to ready it for the next morning. It took a while for them to notice the pattern. To notice that the dead students were always the last ones to leave the schoolhouse at the end of the day. He took another two steps back. I was frozen in place, lost in the story. Too lost to see what was happening right before my very eyes. That's the curse, Meg said. She was outside now. Patrick was standing next to her. John kept backing up. The last person to leave the schoolhouse is doomed. Doomed to die. He turned suddenly and sharply on his heels and bolted out the door before I even had a chance to blink. The door slammed shut behind him, leaving me alone in the schoolhouse with a flabbergasted expression painted on my face finally clicked that I'd been tricked. And while I gave no credence to the silly curse, I was overwhelmed by the fear of being trapped in the old school. I ran to the door and tried to push it open, but I felt resistance on the other side. John or Patrick was keeping it closed. Meg giggled wildly. She was probably pissing her pants with laughter. All the while, I pleaded to be let out. The room was growing stuffier, and in my struggle, the collar had fallen from my nose and now I could smell nothing but mildew. It was so strong I could even taste it. I heard a hammer hitting nail and I realized we were boarding the door shut. No, guys, come on. You've had your fun. Come on, this isn't cool. Please, I need to get back home. I screamed tears streaming down my cheeks. I didn't even know if they could hear me over their own laughter at my expense. it, It felt like I was being burned alive. See you tomorrow, new girl. (laughs) If you make it, John casually shouted. Her laughs grew distant and disappeared behind the thumping of my own heart as I smacked my arms into the mushy door. It might have been old. It might have been weakened by the mold, but it wasn't budging. I couldn't get out. And the more... I panicked the more I inhaled that stagnant air and imagined the walls of a coffin closing in around me. The panic was a vicious cycle that refused to let up. I don't know how long I stood there, shaking and crying, begging for them to come back for me. It was long enough for my voice to grow hoarse and for my body to feel completely drained. Eventually, I peeled myself off the door and brushed moss and wet wood chips from my arms and then I had a stroke of genius that made me feel like a dunce. My phone. I had my phone on me. Why hadn't I thought of it sooner, was anyone's guess. I pulled it out of my pockets and made to call my parents, but I found I had no signal. At this point, my stores of adrenaline were depleted, so instead of another round of panicked crying, I just stood there in stunned, numb silence hopes of my so-called friends coming back for me faded as an hour ticked by. I said they'd see you tomorrow, right? I mean, they'd come back in the morning, right? But I didn't want to spend the night in the creepy old abandoned schoolhouse. My feet were hurting from standing for so long, but I couldn't bring myself to sit on scum, no matter how tired my legs. I drowned out the sounds of the schoolhouse with music. I could still hear crackling of old walls here and there and mysterious chittering from inside the roof that I hoped were squirrels, but the music put me a bit more at ease. Music couldn't make me ignore the shadows, though, and how they looked like children slowly moving across the room. I couldn't snuff out the growing fear that if I reached out to touch them, I'd feel something tangible rather than a shadow. I couldn't erase Paranoia that they were growing nearer and nearer, encircling me until... Oh, you're still here? John's voice came from the back of the schoolhouse, from a little room I assumed was the teacher's office. He looked confused and, dare I say, maybe even the slightest bit concerned for me. I stammered, You you locked me in. He looked even more confused. He gestured to the room he was emerging out of and then walked past me to the desk he'd sat at earlier. You do know there's a door in the back, right? My stomach dropped. I don't think I've ever felt in my life as stupid as I did then. A second exit. I didn't even check to see if there was a second exit. John picked up the jacket he'd forgotten on the desk. We were just messing with you. I thought you knew i'd love to say that i ran out ahead of him as some sort of malice that i remembered the curse he talked about and wanted to give him a taste of his own medicine forcing him to be the last one out the truth is i'd forgotten all about this stupid story and the curse but the truth was i'd forgotten all about the stupid story and about the curse I thought he was just trying to spook me, so locking me into the school would be even scarier by extension. No. When I tell you I ran out of there like a bat out of hell, it had nothing to do with revenge or not being the last one inside. It was animal instinct. It was terror, guiding my feet from that damned creepy place and into the fresh night air. I ran faster and for longer than I've ever run in my entire life. I ran until I got home and peeled my tainted clothes off and ducked under my covers. So, was there a curse or not? I don't know. All I know is that John was a healthy guy, an athlete twice my size, and yet he was found dead of a heart attack the next day, mere meters away. From the back door of that schoolhouse. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder i was sitting at my desk trying to picture a scene for a story when a shadow moved through my consciousness that is to say someone walked across my mental image at first, I wasn't sure what I'd just seen. Trying to comprehend the feeling made my mind bend. At best, I could describe it with someone walking in front of a theater screen while a movie's playing, except in this case, the movie was the scene I was imagining. I ran through the sensation over and over again, but I couldn't replicate it. I got the distinct sense that I was now just creating a mental image of a shadow walking by rather than actually experiencing a shadow walking by still I was dead certain it had happened I can't explain this to my friends that evening over a drink at our local bar with the three of them I tried to put it into words the only way to sum it up is that it felt like somebody walked in front of my mind movie that was a mind movie Asked one. I looked around the group, a little confused. You know, the image in your mind? Another friend narrowed her eyes. You see images in your mind? You don't? I shot back, catching their gazes in turn. My third friend stared at me like he thought I was nuts. What are you talking about, man? weary and a little concerned, I asked None of you see images in your head? Like when you picture a place you've been or call to my mind somebody's face? The response shook me. No, that sounds crazy. Are you making that up? I I just know things. Yeah, me too. Same. I just know what someone's face looks like. I don't actually see it. How can you see out of your eyes and in your head at the same time? you get vertigo. Profoundly disturbed that I was apparently the only one that saw images in my mind, I decided to let the matter drop, at least publicly. Privately, I realized I'd stumbled onto something very peculiar and isolating. Was I somehow unlike the other people around me? Of course, I searched online and discovered that this was a thing people were actually debating. I found a massive Reddit thread full of people with mind movies and people without mind movies, both surprised at the existence of the other type. At the very least, it turned out I wasn't alone, but it still didn't explain the shadow I'd seen. There wasn't much I could do about the experience, but it lingered with me for several months. Writing stories for my job involved creating highly detailed settings in my mind, and I remained on edge, wondering if something was lurking just outside each scene. The problem was, I could never look to the sides. It wasn't like I could turn my metaphorical head in a space that didn't really exist. I could imagine turning my head to look, but I wasn't really doing it. The scene would shift, but only the way the picture in a theater shifts. It was still locked into place on the screen of my senses. And there was no shaking that apprehension. I could picture a vast, idyllic green sea of rolling hills on a bright summer day, not a danger in sight. Yet I would still feel that safe place was just an illusion, ready to waver and disappear. If another shadow ever walked across my mental image, I would have absolutely lost it and started screaming in public, but the expected terror never came. My tension simply kept rising, like a pot slowly boiling. I woke sweaty and adrenaline-filled in the middle of one rainy spring night, but the moment of shock from my dream had given me an incredible idea. In the dream, I'd tried to look into a mirror, and had seen only distorted revulsion and fear in that pure form only nightmare can give. My heart hammered in my chest. On any other night, I would have gotten up to get a glass of water and calmed myself down, but this time, I remained half asleep with intent. Lying there in the dark, listening to the rain, I imagined my bathroom in as much detail as I possibly could. I imagined myself getting that glass of water, purposely envisioning what it might have done, what it was supposed to do. I saw the tiles, I heard the drone of the overhead fan, I felt the bath mat under my bare feet. Most of all, I focused every sense I possessed on the mirror on the medicine cabinet door as I approached the sink. Staring into that flat span, I saw its smudges. I saw its smooth and subtle shine. I saw myself looking back at me, because unlike the dream, I was generating this. I was in control. My own reflection was exactly what I expected to see in a mirror, and so, there it was. But what if I... I reached forward in my imagined bathroom and pulled the swinging mirror door out, angling the reflection. If there was something lurking just outside the scene in my mind, it would be out there, off to the side of my mental picture. I couldn't look to the side myself, but my nightmare inspiration had made me think that maybe an imagined mirror could. A second burst of adrenaline burned through me. I opened my eyes and sat up, grappling with what I'd just seen. It hadn't been a shadow. But it had worked. Life as I knew it was in question. I had a choice. I could forget this and go on with my days, purposely ignoring that I just caught a glimpse of the outside of my own mind movie, or I could dwell further and risk upending my entire understanding of reality. Worse, I might even catch the attention of whatever had first flitted across my imagined senses honestly, I chickened out. I let it go, or I thought I did. I ignored it for nearly two years. I wrote less and differently, trying not to use my imagination too much. I tried to think like them, the ones that just know things. But you know what? I just couldn't do it. I missed the worlds I would make. I missed the feel of exotic sand under my feet, the scent of clean and open air in my lungs, and the chill of high mountain vistas I would never really visit. I couldn't go to those places without feeling that creeping tension, so ultimately, I had to know. Winter was just turning into spring again for the second time since that night with the turned mirror. I drank a bit too much beer, sat in my room with the windows open to let the chill air, and I returned to that imagined bathroom. Clenching both my mental fists and my real ones, I braced myself, then swung the mirror out again. It was the same reflection. Not a shadow, not a monster. A rectangle of low light on shadow. Beyond there were trees. They were the same trees from before, lit very dimly in shadowed moonlight. Deeper darkness weaved in and out between smatterings of rain. I couldn't hear the drops, but I could see them roll down the leaves and disappear into dark brown earth and roots. The reflected image kept flickering between that inexplicable scene and the tilted wall of my imagined bathroom. It was me doing that, I knew, because my concentration was slipping between what I expected to see and what I was actually seeing. Slowly, I managed to clear my mind of expectations, letting the mirror simply be. I watched light wind and drizzle, on those trees for an indeterminate time, wondering only the most obvious of questions. Why? Why this? Why a rectangle surrounded by shadow? Why trees? Why rain? It hadn't been raining when I'd seen those trees two years before. If that image could change That meant something. I let it go that night, but I began checking again regularly. The next day, when I looked in the mirror in my mind, the trees were suffused with dappled daylight. I could see deeper into the woods, but only enough to watch the humid loam dry as the hours wore on. I would expected to find some horrific dark truth of existence that would terrify me beyond belief, but instead I stumbled upon an idyllic scene I found rather comforting. For another couple of weeks, I gazed at those reflected trees often, relieved to find peace rather than fear. But still, why? Turning to my friends again, even though they thought differently than I did, I brought it up at the bar. I explained that I'd found trees off to the side of my mind movie, thinking they'd again consider me nuts, but they surprised me. One asked, Is it the same time of day as it is here? Another added, Do you know what species of tree they are? How big are they? You could guess their age, another offered. Right. They thought differently than me. More reality-focused, more grounded. I should have expected a very different viewpoint on it. Thinking on the daylight and night gloom I'd seen, I realized that the time had often been similar, but not exactly. Actually, it gets dark there sooner than here. So it's east of here, she guessed. I laughed. (laughs) Wait, no, it's not like an actual place. It's a mental thing, you know? They all shrugged. They had no context. But I got out my phone and looked up species of trees. We collectively scrolled through images and articles until recognition surged through me. That, that's the closest tree I'm seeing. White oak. Yeah, east is your best bet. This line of thinking couldn't possibly be right, could it? Thinking them for their help, I sat at home that weekend, watching those trees. When it started to rain there, I was seized by another inspiration. I opened up an online map and watched all the rain clouds east of me across the United States. I kept screenshotting it every couple of minutes, noting when I saw the rain drop and the sun come out. I also noted the time I thought best fit sunset. Then, feeling like a madman, I began flipping through all my screenshots of the weather, trying to cross-reference the rain and the time. I couldn't be seeing trees from an actual place, could I? How insane would that be? But as I eliminated blocks of territory one by one, the potential location narrowed further and further. Eventually, I was left with a surprisingly specific spot. Apparently, I was seeing a small section of forest in upstate Pennsylvania near Susquehannock State Forest. I asked my friends if they wanted to go on a six-hour road trip to another state, but they still thought this whole thing was a slow-burning prank. I knew going by myself was a bad idea, but I couldn't explain this to anyone else, and I had to know. Ultimately, I set out alone, equipped with nothing but my car, my cell phone, and some fast food from a drive through I started early. It was Saturday morning in mid-spring, intermittently drizzly and often overcast. The drive was long and boring, passed mainly by listening to the radio, at least until I began to near my vague destination. It was only then that the sheer size of an actual landscape became clear, and I realized I had no idea how I was going to find what I was looking for. It was already the afternoon, so I had a few hours before sunset, and I certainly didn't want to keep making the drive repeatedly. I drove aimlessly around a few increasingly backwood roads, feeling more and more cut off from the world, until I thought of a different tactic. Picturing the mirror with my eyes still open, I watched the overcast sky for gaps. I could see the trees in my mind, and the sky in reality. I watched the sunlight dip in and out of both until I noticed a match. That gap in the clouds. That beam of sunlight. That way. I followed the roads on the map on my phone, working my way in that direction. Every so often I pulled over to reorient, using the same trick again. It was burning time, but it was working. Eventually, miles deep on the roads that seemed barely used, I found myself inside the same fading and burgeoning light from the sky. I was close, close enough that the mental trees and I were seeing the same shifting illumination, Heart-pounding, I sent a text with my exact location to my friends in case anything happened, and I finally stepped out of my car. God, this was stupid. The stupidest thing anyone had ever done, no doubt. I had a choice again. I could leave. I could ignore it. Or I could delve deeper, taking an enormous and stupid risk. Ultimately, I already knew what trying to ignore it would bring. Ultimately, I simply had to know. The trees were right. The richness of the brown earth was right. Now, though, I could smell the freshness of natural air and feel the chill of spring rain. I pulled my jacket tighter around me, then noticed that the ground was soft under my shoes. This was legitimately the middle of nowhere uphill or downhill Pennsylvania terrain was rugged as hell I waited watching a passing sunbeam in both ways when I brushed across the trees in my mind I knew I almost had it it was uphill of course there was no path I could hike up the slope on just my feet at first, but soon had to do an uncomfortable half-climb, pulling an ivy and branches to get each new undulation of earth and rock. The spring rain had been refreshing at first, but now began to bring about an icy grip on my limbs. My hands went numb, and I had to keep resetting against tree trunks and warming them against my torso. Nearly at the limit of exhaustion, I finally stumbled across the remnants of an old path, it was barely more than a thin divide between brushes now, but steps had once been carved into it, and I staggered along it with relief until I came around a boulder and found a massive old barn. Covered in ivy, dead leaves, and general wear and tear, the barn must have been a century old at the very least. There was no way to get here by road, and the trail certainly hadn't been used in decades, so I doubted anyone even knew this building existed. Yet... Here I was, taking refuge against the broadest side to get out of the rain and wipe my soaked hair and forehead. The chill had set in so hard I was actually getting a headache. When I looked to the left, I saw it. The white oak. This was it. This was the place, and next to it the barn door stood wide open, held in place against the wind by roots and ivy the rectangle of light. It was this door. The mirror in my mind had been seeing out of this barn door. Silently, so as not to break the quiet sanctity of this forgotten wilderness, I asked again, Why? Why was the mirror in my mind seeing out of an ancient barn door in upstate Pennsylvania? A sense of dread crept up through me as I started thinking about what the placement of this door in my mind implied about the contents of the bar. He couldn't be. That would make no sense at all. that that wasn't even possible. But of course, I had to know. Scared for reasons I couldn't put into words, I crept toward that open door, senses keen for danger. I could only hear the wind and the leaves overhead and the gentle falling of light rain, but I was more alone than I'd ever been in my life. I scanned the sloped forest as I moved, but there was nothing but swaying branches. I found sickening confirmation when I finally reached the open door and peered within. Mostly, there was darkness. Darkness. Light played from out of sight to my left, projecting onto the wall. On the wall of that barn, projected in vivid colours, was the side of a barn next to darkness. Within that darkness was a projected cone of light, and in that cone of light was the side of a barn door next to darkness that held a projected cone of light. It was an infinite tunnel of repeating images, the same image my image exactly what I was seeing in that moment as I moved to stave off the vertigo so did the image and the infinite repetition abruptly flickered away I stared down at the ground out of the corner of my eye I sensed the projected image on the inner wall of the barn shift to showing the ground as well moving into myself I mentally pictured the mirror again tilting it toward the same trees I'd been seeing for so long A few reflexive tears left my eyes, mixing with the chill rain on my face as I reached a hand out past the edge of the door. I wanted to scream when I saw my own hand move into view in my mind, but I didn't have the breath. Shock had taken it from me. There was no doubt now. When I'd found a way to see off to the side of my mind, I'd been seeing out this door because some inexplicable reason, my mind movie was literally playing on the wall within. My mind movie, my singular private conscious experience, was playing on the wall of a fucking abandoned barn in upstate Pennsylvania. Why? I asked out loud, horrified and confused beyond my ability to handle. Somewhere a twig snapped. I'd been a dire fool. This had begun with a shadow moving across my mind movie. Now, I knew how that was even possible to begin with, since my mind movie was literally playing on a barn wall. But I never stopped to ask myself whether two years later that shadow might still be here. The messed up thing was, I couldn't leave. How could anyone... Quietly, filled with tension and the sense that I might have to murderously fight for my life at any moment, I crept to the nearby foliage and picked up a heavy branch. My eyes jumped between the trees again, this time on guard in a very different way. The gloom was taking on a subtle orange and purple cast as evening approached, but I could still see enough to know nothing could attack through a tangle without making a ton of noise. If the shadow was still here, it wasn't out there. It would be inside. Holding my stick at the ready like a club, I slowly moved toward the open door. A glance at the roots, rocks, and earth at the base showed me there was no way it could close behind me. Satisfied with that one small consolation, I stepped onto the darkness within, ready to jump backwards if I even sensed the slightest danger. I let my eyes adjust. Once I could truly see, it wasn't actually that dark. The projection was bright, and I avoided looking at it, both to keep my eyes adjusted and to avoid the vertigo of infinite reflection. The light from that gigantic movie on the wall softly lit the rest of the barn, which seemed filled with rusted farm equipment. The contraption nearest me was clearly from a time before engines, confirming my suspicion about the sheer age of this place. I was certainly curious, but avoided looking at the projector of my mind-movie, for the star of brightness it gave off would have ruined my ability to see. Instead, I moved slowly along the wall, staring at each nook and cranny for as long as it took to make sure nothing was hiding there. Hyping myself up, I peered over a gate into the stall. A skeleton of a horse lay within. A pang of sadness hit me, but there was nothing I could do for the long-ago animal. I spared it only a moment's glance under the shifting light of my mind movie. The illumination darkened because I was looking at a dark stall. But that sight did give me an idea. Reading myself, I mentally pictured a blinding expanse of white light. The barn lit up brightly as the projection brightened to match. I could suddenly see everything in crystal clarity, and I instantly knew the barn held no hidden threat. That was almost worse. I stared around wild-eyed, but it was just an old barn. Keeping that bright white in my mind, I approached the center, finally able to look directly at the projector. It was a mottled corpse, sitting in a chair. "'it wore no clothes, but it still had leathery skin "'covering withering muscles. "'Rotted beyond recognition, but not nearly rotted enough "'to be over a century old. "'It sat with mouth agape as its empty eye sockets "'projected two shimmering cones of light. "'The sockets in its mouth were both far wider than it should be. "'Confused and mortified, I stared, staring at it for several minutes.' I looked to the side with my imagined mirror, but I'd never thought to look backwards. I'd never even considered it. Now that I was finally recognizing the possibility, I realized I'd assumed that the only thing directly reflected in the mirror would be me. My mind self, or my dream self. Myself always seemed to be hidden behind emotions and distortions and dreams, behind the light of the movie itself in my mind. ghastly thought occurred to me as I stood there. If I looked into this thing's eyes, would I be able to see my real self? The me that actually experienced existence, the witness that rode around in my brain, operating the animal that was my body. Overcome with a soul-wrenching need to know, I slowly approached the corpse, worried intrinsically that it might leap up and attack me. It was almost worse than it never did. I slowly brought my eyes to the cones of light and gazed into the bright abysses within those empty, gaping eye sockets. So what did you do? My friend asked. Sitting solemnly over my beer, I told him what I remembered. I went nuts. Hit the corpse thing with my branch, knocked it over, smashed its skull. Another asked, What'd you see? The weight of what I'd discovered and what I'd done was still too much for me to process. I uh... I can't picture it anymore. I know I saw myself, uh, my, my true self. My soul. The thing we're never supposed to see, but I can't visualize it. I don't have any way to convey what I saw That The mind movie is gone. They still had no context for what I'd had or for what I'd lost. They probably thought I was just telling a story. They clapped me on the back happily. Hey, you're one of us now. Yeah, I told them, staring off into the distance. One friend did believe me. Tears were running down her cheeks. But why, she asked. I have so many questions. Why was your mind moving on a wall? Who walked in front of it? Why a lost old barn? Why a corpse? Why any of it? She took a breath, regaining her composure for one final question. Why did you smash it when you saw what we really are? I snapped out of my trance to lock my gaze with hers, hoping to impart my trauma to the creature behind her eyes, the one I knew she had, because we all did. Our true selves are unseen for a reason. Slowly, never breaking eye contact, I shook my head. You already know what we really look like. The fear and revulsion you see in the mirror when you're dreaming not a distortion. It's the truth. Everyone balked, and we sat drinking our beers in silence, forever dimmed. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the stories tonight. Um first one was a nice little urban legend type of story I always really loved doing those those are a lot of fun and the second one was a little existential if I'm being honest but I really enjoyed it overall so let me know what you thought about it in the comment section below and while you're down there, I want you to answer this question for me it's kind of based off the second story and I think maybe this is where the author got got the idea for a story like this because there is there are people who don't necessarily think in images, and some people who do. Me personally, if I were to look at you and say, Hey, imagine an apple, if someone were to tell me to imagine an apple, I would see like a close up of a teacher's desk with like a, a chalkboard in the background, maybe some papers on the table. And on the corner of that desk is a big, bright red apple. That's what I would see. Basically like a whole scene, kind of like he was talking about. But from what I understand, other people just see like maybe a 2D drawing of an apple, maybe like a realistic apple, but it's it's different for everyone. So I'm interested, how does your mind work? If I were to tell you to imagine an apple, what do you see what does your brain immediately think of? I'm really interested to hear from all of you to see how our brains work differently. Just let me know in the comments. I'm really excited to hear all that. Um, but in the meantime, I want to thank all the $5 patrons and members. Thank you to Absinthe Alice, Amethyst, Amet, Ameth, Bubbly Panda, Caroline, Christina Smith, CT, Deborah Tychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel. If in Doubt, Flat Out, Jennifer Dameron, Jesse Jess Jess, Justinia Zoromsky, Karen Parrott, Kat, Kathy Flanning, Lee Riggs, Laura Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Bannon, Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nora, Nova Nocturne, Patricia Rodea, PJ Masks, Ray Clegg, Sentinel, The New On Gum 24, Tiger Princess, Tish Love, Triumph, and Victoria Step. Thank you all for the amazing continued support. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who stops by and listens to the videos. I really appreciate you all as well. I hope you all have a wonderful day, evening, or afternoon, wherever you are. Take care of yourselves and everyone around you. And as always, stay safe.